You're listening to Emma Nash, Screen Queens. Hello, welcome to Emma Nash, Screen Queens. We're going to tell you what we've been watching, tell you what you should be watching, and what you should not bother with because we thought it was shit. Um, I'm Ash. Here is Em. Hi there. And there's Good producer morning. Stu. I am indeed producer Stu. Hello. It is morning time, but because we are a bunch of alcoholics, Em, what are you drinking? Well, I, I'm now actually finishing off a delicious coffee, but when I finish that, I'll be moving on to a chilada, which I'm sure we talked about way back at the beginning of um, lockdown. It became I can't remember what's, what's in them. It looks delicious, does it? It looks like a healthy. It's huge. It's not. Well, no, it's, yeah, it's like, um, it's beer, basically, but it's beer with a splash of tomato juice. It's beer with Bloody Mary seasoning. Oh, uh, you that, did tell me about this. So a splash of tomato juice, Worcester, <laughs> tab- your faces are a picture, Worcester, Tabasco, lemon juice, lots of ice, and then top it up with beer. Very refreshing, very popular in Mexico. Why don't so, you just you know, drink a dreamer. Captain Morgan's like a normal person? Because it's 12 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> it's 12.40, actually. It's five o'clock somewhere. It's a breakfast um, yeah, drink. Well, it's I... made mostly of soda, which is for children. So that is a breakfast drink. And also you've got energy from your Coca-Cola. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of the, and sugar and all that's perfect. And besides, you've been living a super healthy life, haven't you, in lockdown at 3.0? I'm being a good girl because it, like most people, the first lockdown was a fucking shit show. We were drinking wine on a Monday morning. I'm not even kidding. Like it was all hell broke loose and we were just like we cannot do that again we're gonna die so we're only having one beer per evening during the week which is a real huge step up for us because we we both like to take a drink and we egg each other on and i'm doing these it's a bit like a cult have you heard of les mills the exercise classes like they are all cray cray um so i'm doing those online as well i do one or two classes every day apart from Sunday because I can't because I it start like drinking Joe, with you. Is it like Joe Wicks for adults or something? Lesbians? Yeah. Or is it like Peloton? They do but- do like those weird cycling ones where they're shouting stuff at you but there's like a troop of New Zealand um, instructors and they go around and do like huge fitness events and film them and stuff and it is like Church of the Latter Day Abs. Everyone has <laughs> them, but they are obsessed with them, and they're pretty good. They're like, I just do their twelve or fifteen minute classes, a couple of them, or you can do extra long ones. But they are all heinously ripped, very very fit. It's fun. I thought I was going to. I'm going the for first a walk. One. I'm going for a walk immediately after this podcast. I'm doing a walking around the muddy field at the back of our house. Oh, lovely chomping around there with Brienne with, the sometimes with Brienne, she comes back kind of covered it I mean because she's so close to the ground she just ends up completely covered in yeah mud. it's yeah as you would know having similar puppets yourself yeah. so. partner with a good shouts texts me on the way back saying Ashley on to the, the toweling station yeah and we just carry them yeah. upstairs in a towel from the front door and just sheep dip them and shower them off because they're vile little Brienne the puppy is walking across Emma's desk at the moment 
I know I've set up this new beautiful station with my fabulous new mic stand from Stuart and um, I'm feeling really good about it really sad about it but Brienne's ruining it by sitting <laughs> she's sitting all over my keyboard so like, <laughs> hi babe how's your week been Stuart um, are you I, being super healthy I, I, I'm in the process of being super healthy-ish I guess maybe possibly um, I have ordered a new bike oh yeah because you've got a big um, huge cumbersome thing with a big trailer on don't you so yeah my, my bike at the moment is a bit of a workhorse it's, it's done me proud for the past oh, I don't know, four five years I've had it I think four but it has a, a long history and I'm sure I've been shit on the podcast before of breaking and needing repairs um, and, and the last time it broke just it was on the first week of the year or it was on the Tuesday after going back to work the, the rear axle broke again as it has done many times, I think it's because I'm chunky, maybe possibly, or it's just a shit chunky bike. boy. I'm a chunky boy. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it is that. I think that's unfair to me. I think it's just it has happened so many times on this particular bike, and it's, it's never been a, a problem before. Yes, yeah, piece of shit. So I'm going to keep the bike, and I'm going to put it to one side. It's going to be a workhorse for any sort. Of, if I want to drag my trailer around, for example, it'll be for that. But for the day-to-day commute, it's a nice town bike with the dropped handlebars, Ooh. super skinny. So I am uh, not a self-respecting Canterburyian. I currently don't have a bike, and that what? is against the law if you live in Cambridge. It is. But I had a big um, cumbersome thing like you, and I just hated cycling it so much. I'd cycle it into town, drink a bit, and then get an Uber back, and then leave it around town for upwards of. I remember it staying at the old 105 station for <laughs> weeks. Actually, you tried, tried to, to get it in your back car. of my car. I was like, Emma, it's not going to fit. You don't understand. This thing is huge. You're like, it will fit. It's fine. I was so optimistic. And then, yeah, that optimism was was misplaced. So I thought I better sell it before it gets stolen, left outside one of these places. I leave it outside. Um, And then I was going to get something light, like you said, that I would actually want to cycle. But I've just not been going anywhere of um, last year and this year. Yeah, I mean, locked down again. Yeah, but 4.2 million vaccinations have taken place. Kendrick got his first jab yesterday. They meant so... to do 2 million a week. <laughs> I think they are ramping it up. We've got 10 more. St- I think this is one thing that we might actually hit our targets on for the first time ah. in this entire pandemic. All the promises that have been made, we may actually hit our targets on this one. Nice. And that's fine. Homeschooling is going much better this time around. <gasps> Is that because of practice? Up to speed on the on the computers and everything. So this is still so two weeks down, and we you know we haven't we've only had one one tearful event, and that was when I had to take a picture of Jago as a Victorian criminal, and he did not wish to have his photo taken. (laughs) So he looks so miserable in it. Actually, looks very realistic. I, I had a, co- I had a, co- I had a <laughs> colleague had to make up his own criminal record and he gave himself 20 years hard labour for stealing two shillings, which, as the teacher said, did seem like a slightly harsh punishment. <laughs> Self-flagellating Jago. Okay. <laughs> Wasn't it your twins Jago as well? Him. You got um, a note from school saying your sons are 40 lessons behind <laughs> on the first <laughs> lockdown. Was- because you that were just like, lockdown, you're doing yeah, your be- schoolwork, right? It's going fine. They're like, yeah, totally. It's totally fine. <laughs> Yeah, this time we're having, this time we're actually, I'm staying, last time we kind of left them a bit for their own devices and that was not such a good idea. This time I now have all their team's accounts on my phone and I'm just, yeah, I, I feel like we're on this more. I had a co- like me now? I had a, colleague, I had a colleague approach me at work, have a little private message to one side saying, look, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do, do my son a solid and help him out with the technology and stuff. He's got an iPad, but it's just not doing the job and I had to be perfectly honest with him. I said, look, 
iPads are very good and everything, but they're not going to be. They're big phones. They're big phones. They're, they're they're never going to be a proper computer. And I said, look, if you, if if you are gonna if you are gonna get him a computer, then he's of an age where he's probably playing video games with his mates online anyway. Get get him a better starter basic gaming PC thingy, and he can learn how to put it together and stuff himself if need be, and upgrade it himself when he likely will. So that in itself will be a learning exercise, as well as it being a tool for him to do his lessons on. So that was the logic I took to that bit of advice. So How cool would Stuart be as your IT teacher at school? That would be adorable. Be awesome. IT Stu. <laughs> Good adorable. Um, shall I tell everyone what we're talking about? Do, 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 do. Um... Well, we, again, I thought we were only going to have four things and we were going to be in and out of here in 45 minutes, but we've ended up with <laughs> six. So, um, <laughs> And we're even we're moving stuff into next week yeah, as well. Again. Again, weirdos. There's still um, content out there, people. You've just got to find it. We are getting some new stuff. So when there was that boom of being able to go back to work sort of in the summer, they got their asses in gear and we're getting a lot of new stuff out now. Um, I think this is over on BBC. It's the biggest thing on the BBC. Everyone's going mad for The Serpent. Um, on Netflix, this is my choice, obviously. It's Night Stalker, The Hunt for a Serial Killer about Richard Ramirez, who terrorised California in the 80s. Yeah. Um, uh, our oldie but goodie this week is The Usual Suspect. Emma has an alternative title. She'll tell you about later. <laughs> Um, we also found the Americans have done it again. They've taken a really cute, brilliant thing that the English put on TV and have made it worse. Um, on Netflix, we've got History of Swear Words presented by Nicolas Cage. Stuart's found new episodes of, do you remember Animaniacs? I think it used to be on Cartoon Network. It yeah. wasn't a Nickelodeon thing. I think it on Hulu, they've made new episodes for 2020. Exactly. And so they're standing by them. Exactly. They are. I was, I'll, I'll come to it in more detail later, but I was grinning ear to ear for the entire oh. first episode. Just a major nostalgia hit. Cute. Um, and then we're going to finish on something I haven't uh, picked up yet because it's Disney Plus. Um, but Elizabeth Olsen stars with Paul Bettany in WandaVision. Looks pretty good. I'm excited for that. But Stuart, have you watched it yet? I have seen the first two episodes because they're doing it weekly on Disney Plus, yeah. and I've seen those there's first two, two episodes they launched with. Yeah, but yeah, I've seen that. oh, good. So we we've both so we've both seen it. Yeah. Excellent, 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 excellent. Lovely. Well, Emma, you picked this one. You've been talking about it for a little while. So do you want to tell us about the yeah. serpent? Yeah. Okay. So this is the serpent. All episodes available on BBC iPlayer, and it is an eight-part dramatization of the real-life serial killer Charles Sobrat, who was a half Vietnamese, half French guy who, mm -hmm. in the nineteen seventies, terrorized the hippies on the hippie trail, if you like, in Thailand. He poses a drug. He poses a gem dealer with his French girlfriend. They don't know how many people he killed. I think he admitted to twelve. It may have been as many as thirty. He was known as the bikini killer because a couple of his first bodies were found in bikinis because he would. It's not really very clear from this what drives him. He obviously he felt I, I, they kind of make it clear that as a as a child, he kind of grew up as an outsider because obviously he was mixed race and he went to a posh boarding school or whatever. And people were very mean to him. So he's kind of fighting back about that. And he has a disdain for all these 
Americans and Europeans who were, you know, it's the 70s, they were leaving home, they wouldn't be heard of for a couple of years, and they were just bombing their way around Thailand, which was, you know, a very different place and very unspoiled compared to how it is now. Um, what his modus operandi would be to lure them to his house, then drug them so they felt incredibly sick, and then normally and rob, rob them of their passports and money, keep them sick, and then maybe let them get a bit better and then leave. Or in some case, if they found out too much about him or if he just didn't like them, it seems, he, he killed them. But this is told, it's quite a confusing um, time scale to start with because it keeps flashing backwards and forth. I mean, and I, yeah. I, I, I didn't pick that, that up until so well halfway through the first episode. I was like, hang on, now I get it. I'm halfway through, I'm four episodes in and it, conti it continues. So you're running, at the very beginning, we're running consecutively because the first... The reason why the police got onto his tail, a Dutch couple went missing. And there is a young Dutch diplomat, newly married Dutch diplomat, um, who realizes that this couple have been missing for a couple of years and nobody's doing anything about it in the embassy. No one seems to care about it. So he kind of takes it on as a personal sort of crusade, if you like. And it's through him that they realize that this couple, they, they, they eventually discover this couple's bodies. The guy was burnt alive. The woman's been bludgeoned to death. It's, I mean, it's, gruesome and this is not the kind of thing that I can normally do very well so I found the first couple of episodes quite hard going because you you know obviously what's going to happen so you can sense the, the doom the, the the kind of that mounting sense of doom is very well done because you know what's going to happen to these poor jolly backpackers who are only out there to have a good time um but the bits that, that it's juxtaposition with, which is like I say this Dutch diplomat kind of trying to dig deeper into this case and work it out and that's a brilliant performance by by a guy I've never seen called um, Billy Howe playing Herman Kippenberg and Ellie Bamber plays his wife, his German wife. And um, they, I'm really enjoying that side of things. I'm really enjoying because these guys are dogged and they care and they're passionate about, you know, getting justice for these people. I haven't got, I, I, I haven't got to the bit where he gets caught yet. The tension is ramping up. Jenna Coleman, ex-Doctor Who and ex-Victoria. He's is, great in is, this. Yeah, yeah, he's his French girlfriend. And again, you're not entirely sure what has... The second episode focuses entirely on how they got together. Yeah. And you can't quite work out, because she obviously, some of what he's doing sits incredibly difficult with, you know, difficult with it. There's a, there's a very difficult scene to watch when he is torturing this poor Dutch couple, and she's sitting outside the room, and she has a radio that was this Dutch girl's radio, and she just turns it up really loud and puts it next to her ear so she can't hear sounds of horror that are happening in the, in the room next door mm. um that's, and that's where I've gotten up to by the way yeah and it's it, I, I don't know I mean this is not you are much more into real obviously you're gonna be talking about Night Stalker yet next you're much more yeah. into real life um serial killer and murder stories than I am but I do think this is handsomely told it's a story I had no I didn't I hadn't heard about this guy at all and obviously it has the added bonus fabulous 70s fashions mm -hmm. a real sense of time and play you know a real sense of time it is perhaps a little slower than it needs to be it felt it feels like it's taking a little bit of time to, to ramp up I think it is a bit yeah it's a bit slow it could do maybe they could have yeah. done it and maybe they could do it it feels like it's taking it's really taking its time but again the guy who's playing Charles Sabrat Tahar Rahim I haven't seen him in anything and he does he's a very fantastic. good job of being yeah he's so inscrutable Horrible. you've got no idea what makes this man tick other than yeah. he is just 
yeah, it feels like he's pure evil to his core. I think in real life, he was one of those kind of serial killers who loved the notoriety. And I think he got so cocky. And that's probably why he's going to end up getting caught because he thinks he's invincible. And yeah. he's put into prison, I, I think, in India, first of all, and then back again, caught in Nepal. But um, yeah, it's yeah, good performances, lovely sense of time and place. Looks good. Could be a bit pacier. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it. That's the only complaint I had because I was very much looking forward to this because it is my bag. I love a good serial killer. And you said it was so, so good. So I was like, yes, I'm excited. We waited until yesterday so we could sit down and watch a few in a go and have some drinks with it because we can't have weekday drinks anymore. Um, but it was so slow. It was actually partnered with a good shout who convinced me. He's like, try another episode. Because after the first episode, I was like, I can't be asked for this. Nothing's happening. Like, I know what should be happening. I know what kind of guy this guy is. It's really very slow. I think I'm going to be more interested in what happens to Jenna Coleman's character in the end, because there's little flashes of she knows what he's doing. She hates it. She lets it happen. She doesn't mind some things like why is she letting this happen? What's why is she in the relationship with him? But he's um, the type of serial killer he is. So the, the reason he does what he does based on what I know of him, he's one of those narcissist serial killers, a bit like um, a horrible version of Leonardo DiCaprio in Catch Me If You Can. So he's obsessed with having a better life than he has. So he lies about it and pretends that he does. So he pretends he's from somewhere else. He pretends he's a gems dealer. He pretends Jenna Coleman is his very fancy model wife. He's he's pretending that he has this life. So he can't deal with the fact that this isn't true. So he's killing everyone who might know that this isn't true and will blow his cover because he needs to keep this real in his head. He hates his own life so much, but that actor isn't, he has black eyes um, and he uses oh, yeah. them very well. It's, I am going to stick with it because I do want to see where it went. This isn't a serial killer story I know anything about. So it's, it's not even like Night Stalker where I knew everything about that case, but I watched it anyway. This is extra exciting because it's all it new. It ramps up and there's, and like and episode three focuses on another potential victim and that's incredibly tense to watch. And I have okay. a regular listener to the show and good friend has watched the whole thing. And she did say to me, you can almost skip the first four episodes and start an episode yeah. five when the chase starts to ramp up. She said, that's the second half. She found much better than the first because then you're finding out how they catch him. And having done a little bit of reading around the subject, Good. it does sound interesting. So excellent. Yeah, that's that's more what I'm interested in. And that's one of the complaints I had about Night Stalker, which was talking about next. The, I don't like serial killer stuff because I like learning about their crimes and what they did to people. Like I, I hate all that stuff. I like the FBI figuring out who they are, what shoes they wear, where they went to school. Like you, you can figure all this out based on how they commit their crimes. That's what that I'm in. That kind of mind hunter, that like yeah. mind hunter vibe. So but I'm I was say, happy that they're going to focus more on that. I'll stick with it then. And I think as well, me and my husband with a bad taste of talking about this. And I said, you know, I think because in fact, I saw Kendrick yesterday and he was bemoaning the fact that he feels in lockdown, people are now obsessed with serial killers because that's all. He seems to think 2002 called Kendrick <laughs> and I said I don't think it's 2020 dad it's just what it is and I said the thing is we're quite it's much harder to be a serial killer today because people don't fall through the cracks in the same way if you look at Nielsen like that show we talked about with um David Tennant that's Dennis Nielsen yeah you know the people that that get preyed on are people who have perhaps fallen through the cracks of society and now with our digital footprints and general our whole social connection 
I think it's much harder. You know, these yeah. poor guys in Thailand, like I said, they'd leave home and, you know, apart from maybe a letter every six months that their parents might send to a post restaurant, that was it. You're like, I'm off to go and find myself. I'll be back in yeah. a couple of years. And they're, um, the, the, you were mentioning the diplomats that are all, um, they all hang out together, the English diplomat, the, the Dutch, um, and they're horrible. These people are meant to look after the interests of their countrymen abroad they just they call them long hairs the travelers and they don't give a shit they're like yeah they go missing that's what they do i don't give a shit i'm not wasting i'm not doing the paperwork it's yeah, exactly. i can't be asked you know on some on, on you know on some over entitled hippies i can't yeah it is tim mckinley though tim mckinley is um playing yeah, one of the old diplomats and he's coming and he is i like loving him. him in this he's so. he's a nice man i think he realizes that because it's it's a, it's jobs for the boys, isn't it? You get to be a diplomat out in Thailand, yeah. like, and they nice. don't play, give a shit. play tennis. Yeah, <laughs> drink your Singapore slings while you're watching your <laughs> wife play tennis. Very nice too. Don't mind if I do. Good. Thing. So yeah, it's um. Yeah. So it's a serpent. All all episodes are available on iPlayer. Um. Yeah, eight parts, an hour each, and I would say definitely worth it. Yeah, slow but worth it. And normally I don't have patience for that kind of thing, but I can feel that this is going to be worth it now. But it is quite, you do have, it is, it is quite strong. And some of it is quite strong and quite upset, quite upsetting. Or I, I found it quite upsetting. It's, it's very different to the usual there. serial killer thing, like where they show you these gruesome crime scene photos and this, that, and the other. This is very distressing in, and I think it's, Janet Coleman distresses me a lot because you just feel she is in danger and she can't get herself out of it or doesn't want to, and she doesn't know why. She's very distressing, his girlfriend, I think. Um, should we talk proper serial killer now? Famous. Yeah, I haven't seen killer. this, so you can you can sell this to me, Ooh. Ashley. Do you so Emma, as an English person who was compass mentus in the 80s, did you hear about Richard Ramirez over here? Did we share news like that really back no, in the day? I, I was trying to <laughs> I was trying to think about this because obviously I've been reading a lot about it and I know a lot of people who are watching it. I haven't got around to it yet. I probably will do. And there was something on, I think I followed something called vintage las vegas or vintage los angeles on um facebook oh, and they were saying about how they remember so clearly you know they were too terrified they go, the kids were going and sleeping in their parents bedrooms or whatever during this reign of terror and i was trying to think if i remembered it and i don't but watching it might remind me but no i don't mm. remember i mean i would have been like 13 14 years old and you know no you didn't not the kind of thing you're supposed to be knowing (laughs) yeah yeah and also and I wasn't like a creepy serial the kind of thing your mum would come in and be like oh Emma guess what (laughs) my lovely 13 year old daughter (laughs) I think I was just looking at my Duran Duran posters or whatever so no I I would say no I probably didn't know about this okay more interesting to me yeah well this guy is huge um Richard Ramirez who was known as the Night Stalker I say proper serial killer in that he was just he was just hell bent on the violence and the act of killing. Like there was no, he robbed people a bit. He just seemed completely devoid of any emotion or humanity. Like he wasn't one of those highly um, intelligent serial killers who had like the BTK killer had this whole modus operandi and killed certain people for a certain reason. And this is what makes the Night Stalker so special and so terrifying in that he killed anyone. He didn't have really an MO, so BTK killer would go for women of a certain age, Um, John Wayne Gacy would go for young men of a certain age, and it's much easier to catch people, much easier to figure out who they're gonna kill next, and much easier to keep yourself safe if if you know you're in danger. 
but yeah he abused children he killed and raped women sorry uh, we should well we're talking about serial killers so we should have said um trigger warning, warning. but we're talking about the fucking night stalker and he would also murder adult men so that was why he was super scary but he again reminded me of the guy in the serpent he's if you look up Richard Ramirez Night Stalker, there'll be a picture of him with a pentagram on his hand, his wild black hair, and black dead shark eyes. Like he is completely devoid of any humanity. Um, this I didn't I didn't like so much because, like I said, I prefer the mind hunter style crime dramas. This focused very much on his victims and what he did to them, which is very distressing. But I was listening to my murder podcast after I saw this. They'd already seen it, um, Karen and Georgia on My Favourite Murder. They explained that they liked it very much because you've put the victims front and centre. You're normally glorifying the serial killer as this big celebrity and talking a lot about them. But it's about everything he did to his victims and you learnt their names and what their lives were like. So that was done on purpose, apparently. But the, I don't know if I'd be a brilliant or a horrible police psychologist because it's I feel so much compassion for him because when they tell you what happened to him like every bad thing that could happen to a child in their formative years happened to Richard Ramirez but not everyone grows up to be a horrible mental serial killer but it's it's horrible to learn about his early life but there just seems to have been no trigger for it like he just it's a switch just went in him and he went on a year-long rampage and there just seems to be no reason for it. It made me think, I was thinking when you were talking about that and I was just actually Googling, looking at the pictures, well, it made me think about Charles Manson. But obviously hmm. Manson was different in that Manson persuaded people to commit his crimes with him, whereas this guy, I take it, is just completely alone, just and solo. the FBI planted Manson as a serial killer to produce civil unrest. <laughs> that totally <laughs> happened. MK Ultra, <laughs> look it up. Don't hate me because it's the truth. Hey, don't shoot Are the you messenger. You're going to tell me next that you're a member of QAnon, Ashley. I'm going to have to. No, <laughs> I'm not a white okay. supremacist. How Sorry. dare you? <laughs> um, I forget. No, no, forget that. If I just, but he was <laughs> alone. Did he, Richard Ramirez? He never. Yes. Did he have? He didn't have a girlfriend or a. Oh, he. He, he made a friend. I'll tell you that much. Um, and you'll learn about that friend towards the end. Um, but he was he was horrible. So he he wanted people to see him. He didn't sneak up. So one of the first victims you learn about, she's um, she's driven into her garage. And so in America, you've got those doors in the garage and you go into the house. You don't have to come back around to the front door. So he's he's yeah. got her pinned in the garage. He can get her, but he wants her to know he's there and look at him. So he makes a noise. He taps on the car. So she turns around and looks at him because he likes the fear. That's what he feeds off. He wants to see people's faces. He's psychotic. Um, this is very nice and pacey. It will, it will shock you from the beginning. It just gets going. It gets in there. Um, the, one of the, the, the main ladies, one of his child victims who has survived, gone on to get married and have a family, she narrates at the beginning um, she's very powerful um, and then it's the the two um, lead detectives there was a guy who was a young upstart at the beginning of his police career he has the theory that all of these crimes are the same guy and he's laughed out of the police station 
because what we knew of serial killers then was there's no um, MO, all the victims are different, there's no way this is the same guy. But then they start to believe him because he finds an important bit of evidence and then they partner him up with a famous detective who caught the Hillside Strangler a few years before. Um, and he is a cool customer. So it's those two detectives remembering the case and then um, a victim and some of the victim's families talking about what happened. But yeah, like you said, it was, you didn't remember it. It didn't make its way over here, but you mentioned how much it changed everyone's lives. Like everyone was terrified to even leave the house. Like, and the way he gets caught is brilliant as well. Like there's a poor community that pulls So you do get and... an eventual good payoff, I guess, then having sat through these horrible crimes that this guy was, has done, at least he is it was televised. Caught. Televised when they caught him. Like like um like OJ. Real footage. I do remember OJ. I was in it's, the States for OJ. It's very well, you really it's very much like yes. OJ, you'll see. Um it's 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 not too horribly gruesome but it is very distressing so if you don't like hearing about this kind of thing I think there's too much of that to make you stick around to get the good detectives input but I thought it was really nicely done I don't care for seeing too much about the crimes and the victims I don't like that side of it as much but it was still very nicely done um I think it's like six episodes or something Four, oh, it's only four. Four 45-minute sheets, yeah. So it's a whole lot, so three hours. I mean, it sounds sounds like a very typical Netflix documentary format in that. They do, you know, like you say, they they, Netflix really seem to have found a sweet spot in pacey documentaries that, that you know, that that then become kind of water-cooler TV, if you like, because they are so easy to, to watch. Yeah, it, this this is easy to watch. If you're okay with this kind of subject matter, it's a pacey, easy watch. And he's a very interesting serial killer if you're into that kind of thing, which I am. Um, well, that was The Night Stalker, The Hunt for the Serial Killer on Netflix. It is Certificate 18, so FYI. On to another Certificate 18. I don't know why this is an 18. The usual Because it's suspects. quite violent. It's not 18 violent. No fucking way. They didn't know what they were doing back in the 90s, though. I get really confused with the 18 certificate. I've told you this, and I think I've said this before. Our dear friend Lorcan, who we used to do bums on seats with, who works, who manages the picture house in Cambridge, or at least does when cinema's allowed to open, said that now you don't tend to get 18 certificates unless there is sexual violence. Yeah. So, um, and also something like irreversible, obviously, would be an obvious 18, but it's very hard to, but yeah, it's quite hard apparently to get an 18 certificate yeah. these days if you're just doing a, an out and out thriller. So, yeah, mate, I don't know why. Don't and know you why don't I want an 18 certificate because you don't make enough money. So, they'll put it up to the BFFC or whoever decides what certificate it is, and they'll say, take out that fuck, take out that sex scene, we'll make it a 15. So, they do because you can get more people in to see your film. It's very unusual Maybe- to have an 18. Maybe this has become an 18 because it's a Kevin Spacey film. We're not really meant to watch <laughs> Kevin Spacey films anymore. <laughs> yeah, so that <laughs> sex offender has thankfully dropped off the face of the earth. Um, but so the oldie but goodie. So this is way back when I, I'm hopefully going to have another birthday out of lockdown this year. My lockdown birthday. I got a cool poster from Partner With A Good Shouts and you scratch off classic indie films that you have to see before you die. There are 100 
Um, and we picked the usual suspects. We did The Big Lebowski last week. And these are films I'm going for that I saw when I was way too young and did not appreciate properly. So I did not realize the masterpiece that The Big Lebowski was because I was maybe 11. And I just thought it was kind of funny and there were boobs and it was weird. Um, and the green nail polish, that's all I remembered. Um, yeah. And The Usual Suspects suffered a similar fate with me. And I remember thinking it was the coolest film ever, how brilliant this was, oh my God, amazing. And then I watched it and I don't trust my own judgment very often. And I'm so glad that Emma texted after watching it. And I think you commented, <laughs> Same as when I first saw it, when it came out, the usual snore specs. And I was like, it is shit and boring, isn't it? And I'm so glad you said that. It's very, I can't think of better written characters. I can't think of many better acted characters. I can't think of better casting in another film, but it's still pretty boring, isn't it? It's very self-indulgent. I, yeah, I, th I think so. So. I remember watching this. Should we tell them out, what it's about first, Emily? Oh, tell us, sorry, tell them what yes. it's about. Because so you were there, well, man. You, <laughs> it's it's a twisty crime story told in flashback. You, it starts off with a horror with an explosion in San Pedro San Pedro Harbor, which leaves twenty seven burnt, unidentifiable, unidentifiable bodies. Let's say this is where we start off a massive explosion mm. on a boat. And then it flashes back so you can see where this whole sort of dope deal gone wrong started from. And it starts with what seems to be a random police lineup, which is a very famous post, which is why it's called The Usual Suspects. So you have Kevin Spacey, Gabriel Byrne, Benicio Del Toro, who I think this was probably the first thing that he was in. And really? He does He's really fantastic. Well, I think it was the first big role he had in Hollywood and he really stands out. Um, Stephen Baldwin, and Kevin Pollock, who I had, who I, I kind of totally forgotten about Kevin Pollock, who was around a lot in the 80s and 90s. And these are playing our five um, usual suspects, and they're brought together to do one job. But that job goes wrong, and the only survivor out of them is um, Kevin Spacey playing the crippled, as they keep saying the whole way through, you're a cripple. Yeah, the language in and this he's, is off. Yeah, it's very 25 years old. Yeah. Um, and he's being interviewed by Chaz Pamenteri, who's playing like the, the, you know, the police chief. He's being interviewed because he's trying to place together what's gone on. And that's it. It's a tight running time as well. It's only an hour and 45 minutes. I liked that a lot. You, you flash back and forth. Like I said, it is quite, there, there are some fairly violent set pieces in terms of shootouts in garages or on beaches or wherever. And obviously it has this very famous twist. Mm-hmm. So I think watching second time around and knowing the twist made it even more tedious for me. But I think it's quite talky. It's Reservoir Dogs came out three years before this. Now, Reservoir Dogs, I have an absolute passion for. It's possibly yeah. my favourite Tarantino because it's the first one he did. And I feel that there was then a spate of these kind of 90s raw crime dramas. I think this is how this one came out. And then with the twist at the end, again, Kevin Spacey, probably his first really big role. And it is a brilliant performance. One an Kevin Oscar Spacey. for this. I mean, awful person, brilliant actor. It has to be said. I mean, that's, yeah. just, you know, that, that's the way it is. So I think those are the things that maybe lifted it to a, I don't, it seemed to hit a zeitgeist at the time and everyone raved about it. And I remember going to see it at cinema and being a bit like, eh. Or maybe it's just because I'm a woman, or maybe it's just too blokey, or it's very whatever, blokey. But... It's a boys' club about these brilliant criminals, and they've got their little boy gang going on. And yeah. who's smarter, who's harder, all that. You shit. have 
one female character who is Gabriel Byrne's new girlfriend, who's a lawyer, and I don't even think, I think she has one line when she's just there charming some clients and she says two lines in French to them in a restaurant and that's it. Mm. That's the only woman who turns up in this. Um, Do you think that might be because it was directed by the horrific Brian Singer? He was fired from Bohemian Rhapsody for being a cunt. He's also a sex pest, isn't he? Isn't he also a, a slightly he he was, a sexual harasser too? I think he was fired for sexual harassment on set, but he must have had some brilliant lawyer because they've never said why. And they, they carried on the film without him, him, which you're normally not allowed to do. He would have normally trashed that entire production. I think Rami Malek and he did not get on, I, from what I understand, because he sounds like a dick. It's written by, what I found quite interesting is it's written by Christopher McQuarrie, who has gone on, of course, to huge, dazzling success with all the Mission Impossible. Also the won an Oscar for this, films. the writer. The screenwriter won an Oscar. Yeah, I, and like I say, it is that very wordy, I don't think, maybe we've all dumbed down now or something. You don't, you don't get such you, wordy, yeah. it's quite, it's complex. You know, these, these, this con is complex, this job is complex, the characters are complex, they're all kind of talking in that sort of crime jargon, if you like. Um, and these are great actors. I don't know why it doesn't sing. I it agree with you sing. totally. I, I like it because it's wordy. And I think you're right. Like it's, you don't get that in, we'll call it a blokey film because I think that's what it is. You don't get that in blokey films these days. You need more action scenes compared to a script. And the script is very good, but it's, and I, I'll mention it again. Those characters are incredible. The actors are incredible. The casting is the best I've seen, but it's still just, yeah, it's slow and boring. Gabriel Byrne is adorable in this. He's such a sweet, sad-faced man. You have to check out a podcast I love, the Blind Boy podcast, but he was in a band called Rubber Bandits, and he does a song about gay rights in uh, Catholic Ireland called Fuck a Fella. And <laughs> the video, if you want to fuck a fella, go on and fuck a fella, it's great. The video is a big um, ventriloquist dummy puppet of Gabriel Byrne who was a, a wholesome, massive Irish star at the time, and he's singing about gay rights, and it's adorable. I digress. I feel, um, go on. I feel like he was with um, Ellen Barkin for a long time in the 80s and 90s. Now, Ellen Barkin, best known for she's me, fit. for the Big Easy, which I don't know if you've ever seen the Big Easy with Dennis no. Quaid set down in New Orleans. <gasps> we should, every time I say Dennis Quaid, everyone ignores me. Dennis Quaid, love Sounds that. lame. Anyway, <laughs> very, very, it's kind of like a very classic 80s dirty cops slightly erotic thriller but very very nice Ooh. sense of place down in New Orleans anyway Ellen Barkin's in that being fit and she and Gabriel Byrne were like I think one of my absolute favorite power couples of the 80s and 90s so yeah I enjoy and yeah. I enjoy Gabriel Byrne as he wears very baggy shirts I noticed he has that very 90s look of like really kind of oversized suit parachute suit shirts. pants um, and then you, you realize it is 25 years old you mentioned um, Benicio Del Toro as well as Fenster slightly lisping Hispanic man he is He's so good in this. The comedy. Not enough of him. Not enough Benicio Del Toro. Maybe funny. that's the problem. Yeah. Maybe I'm not sure if it was supposed to be a comic performance, but it's fucking hilarious. I loved it. And oh. Pete Postlethwaite pops up as well. Is he dead yeah. now? Um, he is. Dead, but... He works for, yeah, he died in 2011. He works for Kaiser Soze. So there's this thread running through that it's Kaiser Soze pulling the strings. He's... A, a mental badass killer crime lord ever yeah they show they show he had his kids and his wife murdered rather than give up his stash to the mafia or something 
he murdered them himself, if you remember. In that flashback, he shoots them all in the head. Oh, the yeah, guy's like, while yeah. the guy's looking at you. Yeah, he's fucking crazy. But, um, and something for Stuart here, before Stuart completely falls asleep in this week's episode, <laughs> I was going to say that Giancarlo Esposito, who most recently is now in The Mandalorian as ah. some kind of baddie, he's the guy from... um. Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, and he is in The Usual Suspects, barely, barely recognisable as a kind of, because they're interviewing that really badly burnt Hungarian guy, and he's the he's the FBI guy who comes. Oh in yes, he is. Mobile phone. I did like, I did like the policeman in this who's interviewing Kevin Spacey. Yeah, I don't chat think, commentary. He's great. Yeah, it's not as obvious as say The Sixth Sense, which I famously didn't catch on to. Um, but I really like the reveal at the end. I don't think that had been done before. It was really nice how they showed you um, how the story was pieced together um, yeah. and how the how Kaiser Soze gets away in the end. But looking back, I it was a bit obvious, I think. Because surely it had to be who it was because they were the only person who could have brought those five people together. It had to have been that I person. My brother was telling me actually I that someone... Um, when they had the big billboard of the poster and the poster as the five of them stood in front of the police lineup um, with the, the heights written on the wall and they circled someone and gave away a huge spoiler on, on the billboard. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> <It Arsehole>. is, <yeah. laughs> and, uh, you know, and, there, and there's a bulb in there. No, I would not, I would not necessarily say this is a film that you have to watch before you die. And I would not necessarily rush back to go and, and see it. But then I wasn't wild it, wild by it the first time. So it's okay. I think there's better stuff in the nineties. Go back and watch Reservoir Dogs again. There's better stuff in yeah. the nineties to watch. If you're after suspects. something, if you think you're after what the usual suspects you, you think it is, then yeah, go for Reservoir Dogs because that's what you're actually after. Or Goodfellas. Yeah. Goodfellas was my yeah. favourite film when I was little. Oh, Ray Liotta. I've only seen. Hello. I've only seen Goodfellas once, and husband of bad taste can't believe that because he thinks he's seen it about seventeen times. And I've, I've seen it probably seen ten it times. I used to watch it on my own on video when I was like ten. <laughs> of course, you. Now I'm into Judge Diego. Are, you and Judge Diego are very very similar, Ashley. Having we you are. know, he's loving some Tarantino as he does. Very special. <laughs> uh, but I yeah, don't know so, where I found. The, oh, I watched The Ooh. Usual Suspects on Amazon. Well, it was one ninety nine, to... wasn't it? Or was that last yeah. week? Am I thinking of the big? I didn't week? even pay that because I signed up for a week's free trial with one of those Amazon channels and then cancelled it as soon as I watched it. Ah, so, Stuart, have you ever with seen Amazon this? We'll let you do that. No, it's not one I have seen. I think I need to add it onto my list of things I need to watch along no, with the Big Lebowski. No, no, no. no. Not rushed to. <laughs> have you seen Goodfellas and Reservoir Dogs? Uh, I've seen Reservoir Dogs, but I've not seen Goodfellas. You will fucking love Goodfellas. Do Goodfellas. Okay. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime, The Usual Suspects, but you'll be able to find it by other means. If you say with. Yeah, if you really don't want to spend £1.99. But yeah, so that is the double Oscar winning The Usual Suspects. Certificate 18 from 1995. My God, even the Spice Girls weren't a thing in 1995. Um, It's... Meh, okay, but the white guys who vote on IMDb have given it 8.5 out of 10. So let's move on. <laughs> uh, over on Netflix, something called History of Swear Words is a direct ripoff of a short limited series I found on YouTube, I think. It must have been a Channel 4 thing or maybe a BBC thing. So we have a show in England called Countdown, which has been running for 
I think longer than all three of us have been alive, maybe put together. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's maths and um, language questions. Very clever people. Actually, no, University Challenge is very clever people. Countdown is normally clever people. And they have a little um, co-presenter who sits in dictionary corner who looks up whether words are real and if you're allowed your points. And we've had for a long time now, a lovely lady called Susie Dent. She did a show called The History of Swearing. So it's a bit like when Martha Stewart became friends with Snoop Dogg. It's a bit like that when Susie Dent came out on TV and was telling you the origin of the word cunt. Like it was, it's a shocker because she's a lovely, well-to-do, very clever, but buttoned up lady on Countdown. Hers is a really nice version of this show. It's it's like one one and a half minutes long each episode. She just looks into the etymology and gives you a few examples and moves straight on to fuck and shit and bollocks. Um, they've made a production out of this on Netflix, not surprisingly. They've got Nicolas Cage hosting. People like Sarah Silverman are popping up in little, Nick Offerman, Jim Jeffries, brilliant, horrible comedian. Um, uh, they pop up and they do these big set pieces. It reminds me a lot of um, Drunk History, which is one of my favorite series ever. The American one is way better than the English one in that case, but it's just too overblown for what it is. Susie Dent's one or two minute long things get this done really well, but this is too much effort for too little payoff. The talking heads. I've not, so I've not seen this yet myself and I was going to watch it as I said last week, but I just haven't got around to it yet. Um, and it almost looks a bit like Charlie Brooker-esque in his talking head segments as well. Is they're that trying, but mm-hmm. they're not, acerbic and witty and dry enough because they're american they're not english yeah <laughs> no there's, there's there is an there is an english woman in there though i think isn't there london hughes and i found her incredibly yes. annoying there is a, a so don't i'm not gonna i won't for once actually i'm gonna stand up for our, our cousins across the water and say it's not <laughs> it's more i think netflix have promoted the heck out of this with the fact that it's nicholas cage but actually yeah. i think they got him into one room to do he's about 20 minutes filming yes and then he's in it for 30 seconds safe. each episode and that's it. it it's just a complete he's also very know, problematic as a person <laughs> this is true but always fun to watch we should watch mm. connor um <laughs> hey, yeah, they, I, <laughs> they have they have promoted like I say, they've, they've promoted it with him at the forefront of it. He's barely in it. It is just, they're only 20 minutes each episode. I've only watched two. So I've watched, I think it was fuck and then shit. They're the two that I've watched. Um, and they and don't they, you do know, cunt a... on this series because they're Americans and they don't like the word cunt. And that's the best one. <laughs> I have, best I, swear I'm word. speechless. I'm speechless. I think I'll swear count is already at the highest, but obviously it's always going to be. Yeah, it's, <laughs> this is very slight. It's something you can watch maybe while you're cooking dinner or something like that. It does not justify sitting down and putting all no, your attention on it. absolutely not. But I would like just, to I mean, recommend, it does remind me a lot of, and the his, uh, Drunk History is a fan-fucking-tastic premise, and I love it, and you have huge stars in that as well. And you do actually learn about history. And I do love the presenter. So do drunk history. Don't do this. Yeah, don't bother with this. The but, only interesting thing was finding out that um, in the first episode, which is fuck, that Jonah Hill is the top. He has yes. said he has said the word fuck more than anybody else on screen. In cinema, uh, yeah. They do the top five. And it's all because of the Wolf of Wall Street, which is true. The Wolf of Wall Street, they do say fuck all the time in Wolf of Wall Street. But I thought it would be um, Ray like Winston Lloyd. or Al Pacino or um, Samuel L. Jackson. But no, it was Samuel Jonah Jackson's like fourth Hill. or something. Jonah, yeah. yeah. 
And yeah, but then also, I, I tell you why as well. It's not just the Wolf of Wall Street. Super bad. Man, super we bad. put super bad on the other night and we, we had to did. turn it off. Oh, Even me with, with my very liberal attitude towards what my children watch. We put oh, it on no. and after 10 minutes, no, 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 James and I were both them. like, whoa. Well, no, I know it's an 18, but we sh- I've shown them 18s before. I've shown them stuff with swearing, but it just was non-stop. And it's obviously the, the chat about the sexual content is, is quite full on. But um, yeah, there's so much swearing in Superbad. That's so funny. We rewatched Superbad last week as well. I love it, but Michael Sarah is on my list. So that makes sense. I, well, Michael Sarah is on the list. I love Emma Stone. I, I, Jonah Hill's problematic to me. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Jonah Hill because I believe in real life he takes himself terribly. He's, I was about to say, he's, he's started to believe his own hype. I think Emma Stone's yeah, yeah, yeah. gone down that route as well. I'm oh, not sure well, I haven't seen her. I haven't seen her do anything for a while. Not well, obviously, sure. no one's seen anyone do anything for a while. Um, so that's the history of swear words. It's on Netflix, but yeah, yeah. fuck it. We're a bit new this week, aren't we? But we're, I'm moving on to yeah. Good How's things. Animaniacs? Oh God, sitting alone watching cartoons for hours, just hating my life. Good times, Stu. Good I times. I know, right? So <laughs> it's one of those things that I heard about via the proverbial grapevine. Uh, the internet as we shall call it <laughs> um and this is a reboot of the animaniacs tv show which many of us may well fondly remember from the 90s when we were still young and could still go outside and be outdoors and play and you know and run locked indoors all the time um but it so i thought i read about this last year because it was, it, it was released on hulu in the states last year in november and then i kind of forgot about it and then because I'm trying to find things to watch on lo- in lockdown, I read about it again somewhere. I thought, right, I'm going to download that and I'm going to view it all. And I'm going to view it from beginning to end. So far, I've only watched one episode. And that one episode had me grinning from ear to ear in a massive nostalgia hit. So Animaniacs also has a plethora of other characters in it. Most notably, Pinky and the Brain. They feature in the premiere episode as well. And there's also a whole other cast of supporting characters, which they may or may not hit on in this series. There's three little things that look like a Mickey Mouse. Those the siblings, siblings. the main Animaniacs. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they, the they black are heads and the and the white mouse. Faces. I don't know what sort of animal are they're they supposed cats? to be. I, I guess so. They look kind of like somewhere between cats and dogs. I'm not entirely sure, <laughs> but it, do you it, remember it, Cat Dog on Nickelodeon? I used to love Cat Dog. Cat Dog was amazing. Yeah, I mean that's. It, it's just up there. So it is blah, 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 blah. It is. So it's Rob Paulson, Jess Harnell and Tress McNeil return to their roles of Yakko Warner, Wacko Warner and Dot as they were performed in the 90s. So the same actors have returned to reprise the roles. And also Rob Paulson, who voices Yakko, also does Pinky from Pinky and the Brain. And the brain is voiced by... Loris Lamarche, who has allegedly appeared in lots of things, but he was a stand-up comedian once upon a time as well. And um, it's almost like, tw- so it's 20, 22 years since they last aired Pinky and the Brain, and it almost felt like nothing had changed, which is nice. Um, yeah. But by the same token, the... Animaniacs was kind of mature for a children's cartoon and it was very self-referential it was very topical for the time and they're adult jokes yeah exactly not not because they're dirty it's the kind of stuff you'd see on like mock the week exactly so it's, it's the, about kind, the news it's the kind of things that 
the children will be sitting and laughing because they're doing silly things and saying funny words, but the parents might be watching in the background. <laughs> the different mm. things are for them. Um, and it's kind of like we were talking about this not long ago about, I think it was like the Pixar films and uh, some of the DreamWorks stuff is that, yeah, they, they are targeted at children, but there is content in there for adults too. And they, in, in, in the first episode, they allude to Trump. They don't directly reference him, perhaps because he is still president when they made this. Um, but yeah, they allude to him. And it's like a little silhouette in the background looking all evil and, and mischievous. Mm. Um, and, and again, the cartoon, again, I say it's very self-referential. They mention the fact in the opening sequence they're now refreshed. They even say the term vector. So uh, in vector graphics, that's kind of the way to do animation now. It's all computerised. It's not ah. your normal sketches, flipbook style animation. And they're very... Yeah, and, and I, I was very impressed and giddy. Is the animation actually... It is different. It's HD now. So the, the style of which it's done is no, supposed to be largely computer-based. I like it. But it, but it's, when it's, I fell out of love with Disney, when they hit Mulan and they changed the drawing, I was like, no, I'm out. Or, but yeah... It's the thing is that if you looked at this one, that's obviously now it's widescreen presentation. It's not your normal old store hand drawn graphics. But hmm. if you were to compare it to that, it's it's not like all like three D and booming. It is like it's just like the modern way of doing two D animation without there being too much pizzazz behind it, which is good, particularly because Steven Spielberg's still at the helm as well. So Steven oh, yeah. Spielberg was one of the minds behind the original series, yeah. and he's a producer on this one as well. So oh, he's yeah. he's returned. To his his love child, I guess, from his youth, <laughs> and um, and he wants to make sure it's done properly. Lockdown Even... has done things to all of us that we would not expect. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and and, <laughs> and I love it now. Really, it's not available for viewing in the UK yet. But like all things, if you're interested and you want to see there it, are there ways. are ways of seeing it. But it is on Hulu in the states. You could use a VPN to watch it, so that's fine. Um, uh, there, there are no details as yet as to when it will appear on uk televisions but i imagine it will appear i don't know a... if anyone will bother to buy it because it is so niche for us isn't it i guess you'll see Cause Cause i was a... gonna say actually oh, go i was gonna say there's a second season coming in 2021 so maybe once that comes along maybe that's when it'll start hitting european audiences yeah. well interestingly next week i wanted to talk about this this week but no one else has seen it apart from me and we can talk about it next week because i think you should watch it actually and this is the great now that was hulu stew so that came out in may in the states this is this 10-part series about <laughs> Catherine great with l fanning and nicholas holt but it is just now so that's seven months later they're now showing it on channel four so it could be oh. you know i mean like we say, we you know we're living in strange times with the dearth of content. There's only so many documentaries Netflix can put together using old serial killer footage. So maybe we will hey, find a home for animation. You watch your mouth, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but it can, yeah, so it can, and, and like I say, the great was originally Hulu. So maybe, 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 mayhaps. Well, Stu loves mayhaps. the Animaniacs. He's had a lovely time. I've had a lovely so time, get, and I'll be watching. You all try of it. it too, guys. <laughs> Um, I've gonna... never watched it the first time round, so maybe I will. <gasps> you were burning your face off in the Hacienda in Manchester, probably. That's why. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, you have a very, very glamorous idea of what my university is like. <laughs> I was probably sitting listening to Neil Diamond underneath Aww. the mirror hanging. I love a bit of Neil Diamond. Um, we're going to finish on a, on a biggie. I am very excited for this. I'm going to have to do another Disney Plus free trial. No, they stopped the free trials because they wanted you to pay for Frozen 2 or some shit, didn't they? Oh, no, when, when the I... Star Wars crap came out. 
when you had to pay maybe for Mulan, the, the, the real life version of Mulan, which I did upgrade Disney premiere. Oh my God, you remember done. we made ourselves watch, um, when I was allowed yes, around Disney. your house, we watched that Beyonce thing, that was dog shit. Was that was dire too. <laughs> so this in fact was the first, this is the first thing in a long I'm, time that I have I'm a rush very interested in this. I don't know what this is. So you guys tell me, it looks to me like a, family sitcom that is a bit like pleasantville if you remember that film but is there a, there can't <gasps> be too yeah there can't be too dark of a twist because it's disney plus is it like okay. right. modern family but slightly cooler no Ashley, no. it's Marvel, okay? Oh, this is fuck. the first drop of the no. new MCU. <laughs> so way not? back before lockdown, <laughs> after Endgame, I know it makes, it makes me want to cry too, Stuart. We've been doing this podcast for 30 episodes and still. So, right, all the way back <laughs> after Endgame, that was the end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe Part 1. They then Thank announced God. this massive slate of films <laughs> and TV shows. This is when Disney bought Marvel for the MCU 2. And three well, more than three characters, let's say five of the most beloved characters from MCU who are Wanda Maximoff or Scarlet Witch and Vision, who are in love until very sadly at the end of Infinity War. They turn into dust. Endgame. No, he doesn't even turn into dust. Vision oh. gets Vision has the Infinity Stone in his forehead mm. and Thanos takes it from him and he never mm. gets to come back. So that's where we are at this point. They are also oh. doing a spin-off series for Loki and they're also doing a spin-off series for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So these are that's um, Is this what their lives would have been like if they were Bucky. normal people? No. We oh. don't really know what's well actually no, I will say, right, we do I kind of know what's going on because Husband with the Bad Taste is a big Marvel comics fan. And I believe this is based on quite a big storyline they had where Wanda, who has incredible powers, is so traumatized by the death of her true love that she is creating an alternate reality for herself and oh, is screwing everything okay. up outside. Stuart oh. is either going to confirm or deny this. Largely <laughs> right. So the story arc in the Marvel comics was called House of M. Um, and it was regarding the fallout of well, there's a story before and a story after, and the after story is House of M. I forget what the first one's called, but the the, the surrounding story is that yes, uh, so Wonder and Vision want to have children, they can't because Vision is a machine, despite the fact that they're in love. Um, they use magic to magic some children into existence, so Wonder has children, and then they are effectively uh, Wonder and the Vision's kids, and then because they did a deal with the devil or a, a demon called Mephisto, the magic is cancelled out and the children disappear from existence. And quite understandably, Dark. when a parent loses her children, she's yeah. inconsolable. And because of the mutant powers and the magic and stuff, thing get, things get a bit weird. And um, there's all kinds so of her fallout. sadness is boiling over and fucking the world up. Exactly. So, okay. but how they have done this, and this I think is brilliant, so they are, it, and, and I grew up with these sitcoms. I mean, I didn't obviously grow up when they first came out. So the first one is a pastiche of I Love Lucy. The next one Ooh. is a pastiche of Bewitched. I think <gasps> after this, we'll be moving on to the They're Brady Bunch. They're going to do Happy Days. They may, I, I, they may do. I, I don't know. I do know days. the Brady Bunch because I know they've only been, they've released three episodes for critics to see. There's two episodes that are dropped on Disney Plus and the rest will be dropping weekly. It's a night, it's nine episodes altogether. <laughs> At the very end of episode two, we've moved out of the black and white into the color. But the, the love, you, you know, the brilliantly 
it is incredibly meta. It's incredibly self-referential. First of all, I'm a massive fan of these two characters anyway in Marvel. I think that Elizabeth Olsen is one of she's the most wonderful. charming female casting that they did. I think she's brilliant. And, you know, Mary Martha, younger May sister Marlene. of That was a great film. She's the younger sister of the brilliant. actual Olsen twins. But yeah. Of Ashley and Martha, Mary Kate. And she, May Marlene about the, Marlene, the yeah. cult she was in. Martha, that was, May, Marcy, Marlene. That was brilliant yeah. about the cult. Such but, a um, good film. And we talk a lot, and we talked a lot on this podcast, particularly Stuart and I, about how much I rate Paul Bettany as well as, you know, he's as Vision. Good. And he's, and so it's just, it, 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 it is this weird, you know, they, they've got the canned laughter, they've got Catherine Hahn playing a, a neighbour who may or may not know more than you think she does, or clearly is going to have a bigger role to play because it's Catherine Hahn and she's amazing. Um, Kat Dennings is in it. I like her as well, ooh. that young actress. I've not seen her in it yet. I'm assuming she'll be in a future episode. I've not seen her in it yet. Oh, but okay. Catherine Hahn, as you say, I only just got introduced to her as an actress because I'm going through a Parks and Recreation binge at the moment, and she's in season I, three I or four. Awesome. She's the awesome kind of like um, yeah, the awesome political lobbyist, isn't she? Yeah, she's a campaign really, manager. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's so good. She's really good. She's a very awkward comedian. Like she doesn't care about making you feel so uncomfortable. I love her. It's good. And, it's, and so the first episode, they have this kind of weird, they have to host a dinner party for um, Vision's boss. And, and of course, no one's meant to know that she is a witch. And he is, in fact, a machine with magical powers, too. They're meant to be trying to keep all this under wraps. So they're meant to be living the suburban life, but while also covering up their powers, while also... And there's, you know, and neither of them can quite work out what's going on. And there are these sense that you get a real sense of kind of dread and the little crackles come through. There's, so far, we've seen two things in colour. There's a colour helicopter that Wanda picks up out of a bush outside and is sort of baffled by it. There's a guy who appears to be made of bees oh. who's come out of a manhole. And so it's, it's very stylish. So, it's so clever as well. And like mm. I say, I when I was 15, maybe younger than that, 12, 15, they used to repeat The Witch and I Dream of Genie every day on Channel 4. That was what we used I to like watch. That. So, And apparently, I've read somewhere that, yeah, they, they it is a direct, you know, they, they they directly copy the entire Brady Bunch house for the Brady Bunch episode, which I'm oh, terribly wow. excited oh. about. So I think, and, you know, and, and we can see, yeah, you can see already, Stuart, at the end of episode two, Wonder is now somehow pregnant. Yes. But then at the end of every episode this isn't giving anything away you hear the crackles coming through and you can just it's like you're in a modern day technician room with people saying wonder wonder who's done this to you wonder what's it's so good i've yeah. watched both episodes it's, twice. It's, it's a little bit truman show as well in that regard because the world the world is clearly a veneer hiding what they there's something going on which they're not supposed to see and they're being hidden from now whether that's because Wanda wants to hide the reality or because some third party is doing that. We're still not sure yet. But like these, as you say, these, these coloured elements like falling into the black and white world, they're almost like set pieces or, or whatever, falling in out of place where they shouldn't be. And that's where we sort of join the series. Because we don't know how long... Well, no, it's, it, Wanda and Vision are supposed to be there having arrived for their, hun from their honeymoon or something or had just, just got married. And and none of, neither of them are entirely sure... They have no memory of getting married. They have no memory of any of it. There's no rings. They have no wedding rings, for example. And then they have, there's a heart on there and they think maybe it's their anniversary, but they can't really remember if it, it it's, yeah. And, and then she makes them. And I think as well, the chemistry between Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany is incredibly good. I mean, there's some quite broad comedy in the second one because he ends up, his, his, his sort of machine gets clogged up inside by some gum. 
and so he's kind of like acting drunk as it were and I just find I find them incredibly touching as well. Though I think they I, I think they work together as as you know as this kind of romantic couple, but also not knowing what the hell's going on. It's I think, and Stuart can probably correct me if I'm wrong on this. I believe that it's only ever going to be one one series. I think these series are, are, are sort of being put out not as ongoing TV series, but more as like a different spin on how to deliver Marvel content to us. Yeah, I think, and that- in this case. I believe this was meant to come out after the new Doctor Strange or something, because she's going to, Wanda Maximoff has got a very big part in the next Doctor Strange film, I believe. So yeah, the next Doctor... But of course, everything with lockdown has meant that that, that, the release dates have kind of shifted and production shifted. I even think the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was possibly meant to come out before this, but production delay, um, COVID hit production delays on that. So I don't know, but But I- This is the first Marvel thing I want to actually see. This sounds good. (laughs) I am into it will love it and um it's written and it's written and directed by a guy called matt shackman Mm. who in fact interestingly hasn't really been that involved with with marvel before this but it says here i knew i liked it for a reason (laughs) he's no he's directed game of thrones and he also has directed the great which as i said what i want to talk about next week because we've been watching as well so obviously i'm I, i didn't even know i'm a huge matt shackman fan I think what's going to be the case is a lot of these seasons on um, Disney Plus will serve as mechanisms or launch pads, if you will, to get some of these gears going for the next phase of the MCU. So obviously the Vision's come back seemingly from the dead. Whether he'll stay around, I don't know, but it'd be good to see. Paul Bettany has been one of the longest serving actors in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. He started back with Iron Man 1, voicing the AI Jarvis. And the AI Butler, exactly. And um, by the same time, Falcon and Winter Soldier, that, that will serve a purpose. And it would be interesting, as you say, Emma, to see how um, WandaVision feeds into the next Doctor Strange film. Because in the House of M storyline, Doctor Strange obviously is the Sorcerer Supreme, he does magic. And in the comics, um, Wanda's powers are more magical, although in the films they're more telekinetic. We'll see how that plays out. But they do sort of they they sort of interact with each other a lot in that storyline. You and like know actual shit about this. This is weird. It's it's uh, well, <laughs> nerd. I, like I think you you guys are gonna definitely like the game I have to play for the end of this podcast. Now, Ooh, actually, I think well, it's I'm gonna be good at it. Well, that was I so- was. Go yeah, on, Emma. That's one division. It's on Disney Plus. I would say it's well worth paying. You could, looks if you good. Chose to do it. You could wait until all nine episodes have, have dropped in seven yeah, weeks' time, and then, and then pay for your and they get the three weeks trial or whatever. Yeah. But as a huge, as a massive Marvel fan, having had a dearth of new Marvel content, obviously for obvious reasons, I was excited. But this has outstripped my expectations because I, like I say, I think it is. It's clever. It's meta. It's brilliantly performed. It's wonderfully shot. It's all of those things, and I am a hundred percent here. I was going to suggest. Sounds great. I was going to suggest that it might be a criticism that's coming out weekly, but by the same token, the fact that I'm irritated by the fact I can't sit and binge it all at once means I will be returning week on week. Damn you, Disney, and your sneaky that's marketing how strategy. They get you. Yeah. That's how Damn they get you. <laughs> it's brilliant. Cool. Yeah, one division. Let me very quickly recap what we talked about, and then we're going to play a game. So, the serpent on BBC iPlower, Plower, Player, slow but worth it. Um, Night Stalker, 
Catching a Serial Killer on Netflix. Gruesome, horrible, but worth it. Usual Suspects, Snorefest, Do Not Revisit. History of Swear Words, Don't Bother. Animaniacs, we'll go for it because Stu likes it and he's cute. And then one division actually looks good, even though it's Marvel yeah. shite. Um, well, it's but it's Marvel for people who don't necessarily. I, I think if you went into this perhaps as like a ten-year-old boy who loved Marvel, you might be a bit like, "Whoa, what's going on?" But mm. yeah, if you if you have a deeper understanding of Marvel, Ala Stewart and the husband with the bad taste, or like me, you're just an enormous, you know, you're an enormous sitcom fan, or you're an enormous Elizabeth Elizabeth Olsen Bentley fan. There's something for everybody. There's something for everyone. Cool. Um, the game. The game, the game, the game. Go on, Emma. Okay, can I? No, I just want to say, so next week, I want to talk about The Great, but also, Ashley, yeah. I really, really want you to watch at least one episode of Pooch Perfect for, for next week. Because this That's, is where that lockdown looks so got dumb. <laughs> They've taken it from Australia, but it's where we all are, isn't it? Because we're all getting puppies in lockdown. So what makes sense for the show that's like the Great British Bake Off, but it's grooming puppies? I mean, oh. it's ridiculous. But I, I, I just... own a Shih Tzu and I shave him down to look like a poor person's dog. That's how little I'm into dog grooming. They had Shih Tzus <laughs> in the first week. They had the Shih Tzu challenge. It was a Shih Tzu challenge. Ash, you would. I, I thought of. I thought of um, Stanley. I thought my little Stanley. <laughs> He's got very special needs dog, bless him. Okay, you don't have to, but, um, you know, <laughs> indulge me. <laughs> I um, I have a list game. for you, the game, of the 20 highest grossing... Oh, there's, oh, there's different ones. Oh, there's different lists. No, let's just go for the first list. The 20 highest grossing actors based on how much money all the films they've been in have made. So it doesn't matter if they're a brilliant character actor who's been in lots of fantastically, critically acclaimed indie roles. It's the actors who've been in films that have made a ton of money. Can you guess the top five? Anyone in the top five? Robert Downey Jr. He is number one. Well done. Bosh. Um, Keanu Reeves? Tom Cruise? Nope. Neither of those. And no Keanu? No Tom Cruise? Nope. Okay. Um, oh. I'll just do... Well, the, the top ten is actually better. So these are people in lead, in lead roles. Chris Hemsworth, number four. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, so going, I'm thinking about one. the Marvel films. Yeah. Yeah. Will Smith? No. Oh, okay. I guess Will Smith. I was surprised he's not in there. Okay. Now... You don't need this clue, but let me tell you, out of the top ten, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them... Uh, Avengers Endgame participant. Oh, right. Okay, so in which case then, Paul Rudd? Nope. Ah, he, no. was, he, he, he was um, Hawkeye, wasn't he? No, he, Paul Rudd is... Um, and and, 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 no, there are only two women in this. I think you'll guess one. You will not guess the Scarlett other. Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson is number three. And there's another um, woman on the list who... I didn't realise number two was in Avengers Endgame. I guessed him for other reasons because I thought he was in a lot of big blockbustery things. Oh, I know. Tom Holland. No. I think I know who you're thinking of. He doesn't appear on screen in the Avengers film. He voices Rocket Raccoon, and I cannot remember the name of the actor. Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper's number nine, oh. but that's not who I was thinking oh, okay. of. I also didn't know he oh, was no, in. Oh no! My God, it'll be Star Lord, surely? Is it not? It's um Chris Pratt. Surely Chris Pratt's got to be in there with you. Chris Pratt is not the other Chris on this list. Oh, yes, he is. 
Number seven, there are three Chrises. So Chris there Evans. are more yes, men Pratt, named Chris, Chris on this list than there are women combined. Chris Evans. <laughs> Chris Pratt, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth. Those yes. are your Chrises. Cool. Yeah. Okay. No, uh, number the two, other woman. he's not a fan of snakes. <gasps> oh. In an aviation setting. Samuel L. Oh, hang on. Samuel L. Jackson. There's number two. Wow. Of course. Because he's is Brie he Larson. Brie is not uh, in there. There are only two women. You've got Scarlett Johansson. He, the other one. He's in the funeral, isn't it? The end of Endgame, Stuart. I think is he not standing by the by Tony Stark's? I think he's, he's standing Jackson. there for Tony Stark's funeral. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so not Brie Larson, and she's not the other lady. No, it's not Gwyneth Paltrow, is it? Because I'll vomit if it is. <laughs> um, I thought it would be. This is you're not going to get this other lady. They are. They're a Dame Judi. They're Dench. English. No, English. they are English. Are they young? Uh, they are younger than you, older than me. Felicity Jones. Is it Kira Knightley? No. Fuck no, that dumb bitch. Is it Daisy Ridley? No. I think older. She's Star Wars. Wow, okay. Oh, Carrie Fisher. No, she's older than Emma. She's English. Sorry. She's dead. I, no, she's, not, she's older than me. I wasn't, think, I wasn't thinking of age. I was thinking of people who are women and make a lot of money in films. I apologise. <laughs> Yeah, no, they didn't make Ange a lot of money on Star Wars, did they? Oh, true. Angelina Jolie. Nope, it's an Endgame lady. English an Endgame. An English Endgame lady. English Endgame. Looks nothing Endgame. like herself. <gasps> Karen Gillan, she's Scottish. No. She's a oh, different colour in this. Zoe Saldana. Yes. Oh. Zoe Saldana's not English. She is, isn't she? To no, the internet. Like, no. <laughs> no, she's not. Well, she looks very refined and has a nice voice, so I thought she must be English. <laughs> <laughs> That's racist. Um, no. so we've got okay. Robert Downey, Sam Elle, she's from New Jersey. Joe, Chris, 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 Zoe. You've got Bradley Cooper, number nine. So number eight and number ten. They are not Endgame. They are the only people in this list, both men who are not Endgame, but they are very famous for huge franchises. Christopher Nolan. I'm amazed Tom Cruise isn't Actors. there. Sorry, Sorry Christopher Nolan directed it. I'm thinking of um, the guy who played Batman in the Christopher Nolan films. Nope. Not him, okay. Neither of these oh. are superhero related at all. Michael Caine. But they are... Oh, Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe. No. No. So they have to have made a ton of money in all of their films, but these are the franchises that they're making most of their money in. So it's a franchise, but it's not superhero. One's a, they're, they're both family, both family. Both family men? Will Ferrell. Uh, one is the quintessential family man. The other is never going to work again after. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, number eight, uh, Toy Story. God, it took me a while, didn't it? Dumb number dumb, 10 is... Kevin Spacey just had his career <laughs> taken away. Oh, no, not Army Hammer. No, not Army Hammer. That's too <laughs> not recent. Not that recent. It's not um, that recent. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean chap. Um, no. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that wow. ridiculous, Emma? You you make fun of me for going on about white middle class men. There are more Chrises on that list than there are women. Come on now. <laughs> I, I I know. I don't. Yeah, I know. I know. We, we to, talk to about fair, entitlement. No, the, the, the right there on that list. That's ridiculous. If there are a lot of women Chris's on that list, they'd likely be Christine's. So yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed Bradley Cooper snuck on there. Right. Um. Bradley so that Cooper was wonderful. 
good game. I'm amazed. I'm amazed that Bradley Cooper snuck on there. Is, is what I was yeah. saying, particularly as um, Karen Gillan didn't, and she's in the Guardians. She of the actually Galaxy physically acts in it. And she's in Jumanji. Don't pay women equal wages for equal work, Emma. That's why. Also, I'm shocked The Rock is not on there. The Rock is in the top twenty. He must be along with Vin Diesel, I suppose, as well as some other Fast and Furious so alumni. So you've got. Um, so John Ratzenberger, who was a voice in The Incredibles, is in there. Frank Weller He's from also Transformers. From Cheers. Oh, is he? Bob Bergen. Isn't John Ratzenberger, the one that does all the voices in Pixar. Oh, Warwick Davis. Of our, uh, yeah, of um, Star Wars and the other uh, Harry Potter. And that TV show that he presents. Andy Serkis. Andy Paul Serkis, a.k.a. Gollum, Kong, Don Cheadle's in there, Dwayne The Rock, Benedict Cumberbatch, John Favreau, Jeremy Renner, Idris Elba, and then Gwyneth Paltrow in at number 20. I'm sorry, Emma. Is it, is it John Favreau or John Favreau? So I take it you're not into vagina-scented candles. <laughs> Certainly not hers. Which just smell of entitlement and money and smugness, I would imagine. So no, I would not like that. Uh, I do not like that. I do not like it. is my least favourite kind of entitlement. I, yeah, oh, she's not the worst. Um, right, brilliant. So next week Cheers, we've got bitches. the great, and you're going to watch a bit of Pooch Perfect for me. I don't want to watch either of to. those things. <laughs> you do want to watch the great. Did you like the favourite? No. Oh, maybe Nicholas Holt was all right then. in that. Everyone else was shit, and I can't believe. Well, she this, got an this is Nicholas Holt. This is Nicholas Holt being Nicholas. This is Nicholas Holt, but much more of him. All right. So if you like Nicholas Holt in a favourite, I think Sold. you'll enjoy this. Okay. Sold Wicked. to the lady in the purple top. Yeah, awesome. I look like my own emoji, my favourite emoji. Huh? I'm not blonde enough okay, to at the moment. Huh? I've got awesome new core dungarees on. I'm feeling very. I love um, the look of the dungas. I need a good pair of dungas. And what was I going to say? And you'll let us know what our audiobook goodie is going to be. You'll scratch something off. And let's oh, hope yes. when we revisit it, it's better than the it's usual suspects. actually not the usual suspects. Yeah, let's hope it's a good one. Okay. Actually a goodie. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Subscribe and all that like shit. Like and subscribe. Whatever. <laughs> Bye. See you, <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.